Non-benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's brand new podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. Now, friends, if you've been with us for our recaps and discussions of episodes one through three of Avatar The Last Airbender, or even if you just know the show and love the show, you know that we all love fan-favorite character Sokka. So we're very, very excited to be joined this episode. It's Fabulous, fabulous, Jack Jacetta! Hello! Just got here. So excited to have just walked in. Very curious how intros go on this show. I'm, I'm going to have to listen Jack, back. Surprise, <laughs> The illustrious Water Tribe member himself, not a bender, but uh, up there in the yep. uh, higher echelon of Water Tribe uh, legends Gotta and be. icons. Gotta, Gotta be. be. He's got to have statues all over Water Tribe land that important he's well traveled yeah absolutely he's well traveled he was very important part of the great war and yeah he, he, he did things he did things no other person bender or not was able to do uh he during this whole thing learns all the local fighting styles as he travels no no, no wait <laughs> before you say too much more we're trying really hard not to do too many spoilers even though we feel like everyone who's listening probably has watched the entire series multiple times so instead of doing spoiler alerts we do something called the foreshadow report great <laughs> So foreshadow report, we have to have you back on for possibly my favorite moment, kind of sort of comedic moment in the entire series, which involves Sokka telling Zuko what happened to his girlfriend. And we're not going to say any more than that, oh. but that exchange is so good. I mean, there's a lot of foreshadowing there. We could not do that exchange without foreshadowing so much. But yeah, thank you. I agree. Dante. Yeah. Oh. So we don't, we can't do it, but we got to bring you back because I could listen to that on a loop and I would never stop laughing. It's so funny and so good. <laughs> Dante could say his line pretty free and clear. Right. Ooh, that's what we should do. Let's just say a few things and then Dante will have to respond with that line no matter what we say. Like it could just be great, random. Great, great, it doesn't great, have great. to be about Avatar. Like I, yeah. I twisted my ankle and it was rough because I didn't get to go on that hike I really wanted to go on. That's rough, buddy. I think I'm having a sleep apnea, and then I've been waking up with headaches, and I talked to my doctor. I did an at-home sleep study, and they're going to maybe look into getting me a CPAP machine. It's really blowing my mind, making me feel really old. Hmm. That's rough, buddy. So I'm just starting to come to terms with the fact that I can't eat cereal all day, every day, for every meal, and that is extremely upsetting to me. What advice do you have for me? That's rough, buddy. Dante, this is an igneous rock. That's rough, buddy. Oh, yes. Anything in the pun family, I am so on board for. I love that you guys are both improv geniuses and just jump into (laughs) improv like without, there was no, you guys, there was no hand signals. There was no like winks of the eye. They just jumped into improv. Did you feel like you were were unprepared? I was unprepared because I'm not that kind of actor. Dude, you had your line, man. I think you were well taken care of in this exercise. I know. I was going to say, if I may, you felt like you were unprepared. That's rough, buddy. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, <Wow>. Barney. <laughs> thank you. And, that, and, that, and today in our That's Rough Buddy segment, thank you so much. Scene. Jack, this is probably something that you get asked all the time. I know it's something that we get asked uh, with respect to The Legend of Korra. And 
I think it's also probably fair to say that the Bolin character is sort of the heir apparent to Sokka's brilliance. And PJ was kind of the only one who really got away with improvising on The Legend of Korra. What was your relationship, if any, to improv with Last Airbender? Because it was so new and so undeveloped as like, did you feel like you could? Did they ask you to? What, what was going on there? I think I maybe did a bit more like as the seasons went on perhaps i feel like in like runs you know we'd we'd isolate a line and try a couple things and occasionally i would i would feel encouraged to throw some stuff around but i don't remember like doing a lot of it dante tells me i did and sometimes it makes me feel embarrassed i'm like was i just like did i just start saying stuff <laughs> i don't know i was doing all my lines exactly the way they were written me too precisely word for word just period for period and Jack was seemed like much more freer in what he was doing. I was like, he's having fun. I'm here in the room by myself just reading lines. Part of it, though, it's the benefit of not being very good on the first take is then they'll just let you go for a while. And then you just start saying whatever you want by the end because no one's listening anymore. You know, the so let him get good technique. <laughs> yeah. Follow up question. Did PJ steal any of your stuff? Wait, did he steal uh, my personal belongings or did he see- steal any of Jack's steal any of Jack's stuff? Okay, okay. That makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I think they're they stand alone. Have stand you guys alone. met? Uh, yes. You get on like a house on fire, whatever that means. We have not actually hung out. We met once in the lobby at Nick Animation, introduced by Mike and Brian, who like I think they were they were in a record. I was there for an audition and we were pulled together and Mike and Brian were very excited to have, oh. you know, the comedic characters. Yeah. Collide That's going right to happen there. on this podcast. I see it happening. I could see it as if I'm looking into the future. Yeah. That's like the spinoff. That's like a spinoff show. Yeah. PJ and I just met that once, but we are starting a rival podcast. <laughs> this is very unpleasant news to get. Very unpleasant news. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be starting a rival podcast. You will win. <laughs> You will win. You absolutely will win. <laughs> we, um, we're we full of foreshadowing on that one. We don't care. Oh, we just let it fly. So much foreshadowing, you lucky ducks. I wish people said lucky duck more often. That's just not something that gets said anymore. Lucky duck. Gosh, you That's lucky the bee's duck. knees. I mean, lucky That's duck's dead. great phrase. We can bring it back. We can bring it back. Uh, or what kind of ducks do we have in this show? Lucky lucky turtle ducks. Lucky, lucky turtle, turtle ducks. ducks. Way right. to turn it back around. You're so right. That's what we have in our show. Yeah, lucky turtle duck. The turtle ducks are awfully cute. There are there turtle. I don't remember that. I'm not good. I don't have a good recall for the hybrid animals. When do turtle ducks pop up? They're all over the place, Jack. <laughs> they are all over. Is the it place. rude that whenever they describe a hybrid animal, I think about if it would be delicious or not? And a turtle duck sounds I, delicious. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you: Is it possible that the worst bad act you would have to overcome in the fandom, in terms of like people being mad at Sokka? Was it that you wanted to eat Momo before Momo was Momo? Yeah, and that's this episode, yeah. right? Yeah, we just we just talked about episode three, and it's true. You you kept saying that that was going to be a meal. First of all, so it's not like great taste by Sokka. I don't think like he's a stringy little jumping thing. I don't think he looks that delicious. Not a lot of meat. But it's a desperate time, right? They've been out there flying around. You're eating. You've been eating rocks and stuff, <laughs> wishing it was nuts and whatnot. So I'm ready. Yeah. And if you barbecue, my little dude, his oh, ears no. are probably going to be nice and crispy. Oh. Nice and crispy ears. Legitimately. 
some like crunchy. pigger style. That sounds We call nice. it chicharron. We yeah. would call that. Filipinos or Latinos would call it chicharron. Please, no one come after me. I want everyone to know I do not <laughs> think that Momo's ears would make good chicharron. I am very, very upset by this. This is rough, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> this is rough. That's rough, buddy. That's real rough. I do think that probably is Sokka's biggest... Well, at that and at the beginning, he's like just straight up a misogynist, like just very sexist. Until I'm glad you said episode it, so four, foreshadowing report, foreshadowing report. report, episode four. Some of that gets beaten out of him. I'd say that's probably his biggest flaw at the beginning, right? Quick question, back shadow report. Yeah, who's older, Sokka or Katara? By how much? How many months? Like two years, maybe? Isn't he like 16 and 14, something like that? Yeah, he's older. I don't know. He seems very mature. I think that's a key part of the you show. You never call her like my little <laughs> sister. You never be like my little sis. Um, do I not? I feel like I... He no? might, but I don't... And this is Katara, my flying younger sister by two years. Are they twins? Are they twins? No, 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 no. Are they twins, Dante? How dare you? They're not twins. He's definitely older. It's true that because even when they bicker, I don't feel like he pulls the little sister card. It's more just like you're annoying because you're my sister. It's less about her being little sister. I know. And you know big brothers pull that card all the damn time. Yes, that's a good point. But he does have the attitude of like, I'm supposed to be in charge. Like he thinks of himself as that. And I think Katara's maturity is just so far beyond his in so many aspects that like yeah the the dynamic is not full big brother little sister but i think he feels it Sokka believes that he's the you know responsible chieftain older brother type yeah i mean i'm glad that you brought that up because you know that is something that people talk about in in the context of talking about uh, avatar because so many of the characters that have great qualities and are so admirable and then we kind of are tough on and rightfully so we're tough on the characters lesser qualities like wanting to eat yeah. momo for example or being a misogynist <laughs> um he grows out of both of those he, he grows know? out of both of them and i think that's that's a kind of a question and i would love to hear your guys thoughts on you know, it's so important how things are reflected in media, especially in shows for young people. I think the, there's a conversation that happens, especially with something that was made 16 years ago versus stuff that might be made for the first time today. You know, what role models are we showing kids and what kind of qualities do we want these these main characters, these lovable protagonists to have? And if we were doing this anew, would we make Sokka different? Would he not have those qualities but at the same time, it's like, but isn't it kind of good to show someone get the one-upmanship of having those qualities and then getting beaten down, kind of? Like, do you know what I mean? I'd love yeah, your thoughts. Yeah, I think, I think how quick the journey is tells me that was something that they were planning with that character from the beginning, I would have to assume. Like, in the pilot, he definitely, like, has a pretty bossy, condescending attitude towards Katara in a lot of ways. And some of it is Big Brother stuff, but some of it clearly is that he does have this, you know, from the beginning, this, like, cooked-in sexist, like, I'm the guy, I'm the leader, I come from this, like... You're the Chieftain. only guy left in your tribe. Right. You're the only and guy I, left you know, in your tribe. Yeah, and so he right. thinks he's supposed to be this You're probably thing that spoiled. his dad was, and he's got You're probably a, spoiled guy. Probably spoiled. Probably everyone's catering to the only man in town. <laughs> he's the only man in town. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. But also feels a tremendous pressure because of that and frustration, you know, about True. like trying to train these tiny kids. But I think like giving him that thing to overcome at the beginning, I think is helpful and does shape his journey, and it makes him. Uh, it, it is a attribute that I think carries with Sokka throughout the show that he is often good at, like, not underestimating people, I think yeah. is maybe a fair thing. And I think that's a lesson that he 
learns here. So I don't know if if this show was being made today, would they have started him from that unlikable point? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's great. I th- I think when you watch a lot of shows, movies, television shows, you have to watch it within the context of the time it's made. But this particular show, I think the timelessness of this show and why it was again so popular today is. Maybe it was before its time, or maybe there's a timelessness of of how it was yeah. made that I think it, all these issues resonate and still are are being talked about today. And I think kind of works out perfectly with Sokka because I don't think you you dismiss those attributes in 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 any characters because then where's the growth of any of the characters? Right. But to see the growth of Sokka, I think it's really so. I don't know if we were before our time or. I like to think we're timeless. Timeless? Sokka? Sokka? I called you Sokka, Jeff. Sokka, are we timeless? Here we go. Timeless, That's what, it, it's fine. That's what everyone is thinking anyway. It's like the blend. When you're hearing two characters from the same show yeah. that is so beloved talk, I mean, of course you're going to call. And our voices are, yeah, very. The great thing about the show is, you know, I mean, I talked about this with Jack. Like, I didn't go back and watch a lot of this when it was coming out and whatnot. It was, right. it was the gig we were doing. We were super into it. And we would talk about what we were reading in the scripts between me, Jack, and May. But even today, until I'm watching it now, it's like May and Jack are Katara and Sokka, and like in my mind, because the when I first read, yeah, right, when I first received this story and experienced this story, it was literally Jack and May and me. Zach yeah. was in New York, so he we was never separate. Saw we Zach. never recorded. We with just Zach. heard his voice over yeah. the loudspeaker. Yeah. So he really was Aang in the sense that you had no physical representation. He really was yeah. this mythical, like, the Avatar. Like, I don't know. That's a kid that's saving the world. The rest of us are just tr- playing our part yeah. in this whole the- theatrical event. But really, Jack and May were, were Katara and Sokka and still are in my mind. And even when I'm watching it, I'm like, that's Jack and May <laughs> right there. It's definitely, <laughs> yeah, like uh, 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 my relationship to, like Dante's storyline for a lot of season one is, you know, cordoned off and whatever. And so I would just be sitting watching Dante do it as a little play and I just could kick back and listen. And that is my, that is, uh, same thing. That's Zuko to me is I'm seeing Dante looking real cool. <laughs> uh, being he's pretty Zuko. cool. It, unless he's doing what I did and throwing errant punches as if he needs to actually be punching something when he's doing a fight scene. I was he's doing an on-camera also. actor and doesn't know how to not use your pocket. Oh, I big time. Did you do that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, whenever like we got to uh, combat stuff, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm taking off my hoodie because I got too many zippers. I'm going to be very jangly <laughs> as I needlessly throw punches all around. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say that. It's amazing, you guys out there, to understand that voiceover actors become kung fu masters in a matter of seconds. Yeah. We know all the kicks, all the punches. We can, we can dodge bullets. We can do anything. Just tell us what we're doing. We can fall off buildings and roll down and get hit. We do all that stuff. We're like stuntmen with our voices. But you guys had to do sincere action. Like, you, most of my combat noises, and I had moments of, like, very sincere combat noises that had to feel really dropped in and whatever, but I got away with being very broad in a lot of moments where my, like, action sounds are just like, yeah! um, <laughs> But, yeah, like, how do you, yeah, I find, like, the ability to actually, like, calmly channel those sounds in an authentic you know, combat way. I'm not good at it. Jack, we're benders, so right. we're, we're benders. So it flows. It flows through you. Like me and Varney on this side, we're we're benders on this side. Oh, that's yeah, what it I get is. It. I get I it. I mean, you're no, that's cool. No, it's cool. You're I'll smart. Step out. You have a boomerang. <laughs> yeah. You do things. Yeah. 
but we're benders, so leave the bending, you know, we do our thing on this side. Yeah, sorry. That's rough, buddy. Hey, Jack, two questions. One, how much VO had you done when you got Sokka? And two, had you done action-y kind of VO stuff before where you did have, you had already had some experience with the sort of awkwardness of making the sound of falling onto the ground when you were standing up? No, very little. I had done one Disney movie called The Wild, which is not, no one remembers it for good reason. (laughs) It came out at the same time as Madagascar and had the same plot as Madagascar. Were you an animal? I was an animal. I was a hippo. I was a psychic hippo. You were a hippo. hippo. Yeah. That's fun. Psychic hippo. <laughs> psychic uh, hippo. It was, it was one of those situations where clearly like two people were pitching the same idea at the same time or even, I think I heard the story. I don't know if this is true, but I heard it as a writing duo was developing a thing together and had a falling out and separately sold it, one to DreamWorks and one to Disney. Oh. Wow. <laughs> and I kind of so want to see that inside baseball movie. I want to see like yeah, that I that I probably just made up. This this rumor uh-huh. that I'm, I'm starting that we'll shoot a movie of right now. I feel like I can't sell anything and two guys are selling the exact same thing. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. Get this, they're animals, they talk. Got it? Boom. There's a sidekick hippo. <laughs> There's a little hippo oh, running around. I, you buy said it twice. sidekick hippo. I thought you said psychic hippo, and I was fascinated oh, no. by it. No, you would have heard of this movie if I played a psychic hippo. That would have been a memorable, That's successful That's the new pitch. Me and Jack are going out to all the places. Separately. <laughs> pitching the psychic hippo. Separately, but we're going to get them both made from different studios. So I had just done that. Yeah. And so the hippo did not have any fight sequences. No, the hippo had no psychic powers. Or action action star powers. Varney, one thing I think we did know when we started working uh, on, on the show was Jack came from, like, the Nickelodeon family. I was on a live action Nick show. Oh, at the here time. we go. Tell us about that. Yeah. yeah. I was on All That, which is a, a, a sketch show that improv is back show. on the air now. No, not improv. They wrote it. They wrote the lines ahead of time. It's like, I grew up watching it. It was like Keenan Kell and Amanda and Lori Beth. There was like, you know, it's a beloved show of my childhood. And then I was on it for four years, like all through high school. It was like my summer job. And then Avatar happened maybe three years into that. We did yeah, the pilot, it, right? Because you were going back and forth. I yeah. remember that. We did the pilot, I think, when I was like 16 or 17. So I was still, I was on all that at the time. I don't know if that was part of me being cast. It might have been. But we all knew you were kind of part of the Nickelodeon family coming in. Yeah, whereas you and May were at the time on a Disney show together, right? And was May also still on an ABC family show? Was May was probably doing 18 things at once during that time. Oh, my gosh. Just hearing you guys talk about how young you were when I'm like – Thinking about being a six, like my summer job. I was 17. Dante was 30, 38. Marnie, I wasn't that young. <laughs> oh, please. You were a child actor. Please. You were a break date. You were a professional break dancer. I was a child actor, but not during this during this time. <laughs> it feels like I watched Jack and May grow up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. May and I were like 15 and 16. I remember when May started driving by herself to the, to the booth. Oh, my god. And gosh. I was like, yo, May, like you're driving by your, your dad's not with you. Are you good? Are you all right? And every and you guys all seem so together and collected and like grounded great people and I think that's great. It's a it's not always like that. We largely made it out okay. I'm I'm impressed yeah. by us. Yeah, we are impressed. No, <laughs> my memory of Jack was I, oh this is that kid because I've seen your show on Nickelodeon. I was like oh that's that kid from the sketch show, 
and he had long hair, long curly hair. I still have long. it. I've just got it all back right now. Check it out. And there he was is, super everyone. funny. And he was super funny from from day one. Oh, thank you. And he was always late because he was coming from uh, the Inland Empire. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was coming from. <laughs> I was okay. Yes. So when you were saying like, "Oh, we had our stuff together," my immediate thought was like, "No, I was pretty. I was pretty unprofessional." Uh, I was like, "Because uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I started college during like we we I think we had recorded. So we did the pilot, and then it you know it takes a very long time. So it took like probably a year and a half before we then started recording the show. Uh, and so I think we had done like maybe one season, and then by the time we were doing the second season, I was at college i was at ucla so i was like living on my own off at school having to commute to burbank all by myself uh and i was frequently late and it's a deep like retroactive source of shame it was a lot of shame at the time but it's a lot of shame right i carry a lot of shame as like what an unprofessional (laughs) 18 year old i was they had that late but he he was running late okay i mean they had to make up times they had to tell me fake times as to when the records were in hopes of (laughs) they did (laughs) Yeah, they I had to so. give you a time that was earlier yeah. than it actually was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kid actors. Rich. Kid actors. What are but you going to do? But you know what? Um, uh, at the same actors. time, you're but I just, got better. I got better. Well, you got better, and also that's kind of the 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 irony, right? Is that people think that you know, like it sounds so fun, and that there there are aspects of all of that, but also you do have to do you have to be responsible in a way that a, just a college yeah. student showing up for class. It's a different kind of oh, I just didn't show up for class than it is. You know, because yeah. I slept in, then it is like I had to, you know, nor, not, I didn't go to class. And also I was late to my voiceover recording for this network that I want to be happy and right. stay in good. You know, I mean, that's that's it's that's a it's a deeply weird aspect of being a child actor is that you are a professional in a professional setting, in an adult professional setting. You're working adult business hours around adults and you have to, like, learn how to be professional and responsible. You're in a kid body. I made some, uh, you know, sometimes I was good at that. Kind of like Avatar, The Last Airbender, and the kids being forced to deal with adult world and adult responsibilities when they also still want to be kids. That was good. Y'all should have a podcast about that. (laughs) Because on PJ and I's podcast, we never bring back the themes. We just kind of get off. Oh, I don't even. I'm so angry (laughs) with you and PJ right now. I can't even. I can barely stomach it. I'm so enraged and jealous. I mean, we yeah, we never make these connections. We just do bits. Okay, so you were, uh, what I've gotten so far is that Dante was mm-hmm. wildly intimidated by Jack because Jack was a big shot Nickelodeon sketch artist star. Star. Who made up all, all of my and lines. made up all of, all of his lines. Made up all his lines. So funny. He's having such a great time. I'm pouting in the corner. You were in character. You were method, Dante. You were as resentful as Zuko. <laughs> he was literally, by the way, he was always in the side isolation booth, and me and May and whoever else was there for the episode. Yeah, we were always getting to hang out in the middle, all next to each other, and Dante was right. stuck in the booth brooding. I was in the Fire Nation booth. Yeah. Just go s- stand over there until we're ready for you. And the isolation booth is where all the pranks take place, too. Like when the sound engineers put, like, fake spiders and stuff somewhere in the booths, they're going to put it in the ISO booth, and I'm going to be the one that shrieks and is not Avatar-like at all, and is just like, ah! Ah! okay, let's record. I'm feeling tough and cool and like I can bend <laughs> elements. That's, by the way, you did perfect Sokka ADR right there. That's all of my <gasps> combat sounds. Oh. <laughs> Nailed If that. you ever need me to step in, I don't know when yes. or why or how let's that would ever parts. happen. 
but it's I a big do... part of PJ and I's podcast. We do we do mixed up table reads where we have everybody swap roles. It's fun. This makes me so. You guys I can, I'm gonna hang, I want to hang up the podcast. We're on I just want to hang up like I'm hanging up on the phone. But then there had to be another commercial because all of that just came flooding back in a rush. There had oh, to be another commercial yeah. that you did in, in Massachusetts. I, I I did a I did a hood milk radio commercial. You've also that can't be a me. real thing. No, What's also hood, no, hood milk? I have no idea what that means. Oh, that's a very East Coast thing, but it's a very popular. Which hood? Which hood? Which neighborhood? The whole yeah. East Which Coast car is, is a is a hood milk. of of milk. The, have you never had a hoodsie? No, I don't. No. I've never even heard of a hoodsie. Okay, I'm getting me neither. Full blank stares here, but everybody at home listening to this podcast is cranking it up, going, "I love hoodsies. They're like you know, like little ice cream cups. <laughs> you know the uh, what's the you know the one with like a Swirl of chocolate syrup, vanilla ice cream cup, like a carnation, like, like a, a carnation. carnation, like a like a freezer. Oh, like you aisle get it at the convenience at store home, or whatever. I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. A hoodsie is one of those little things, and it's half chocolate, half vanilla, and you eat it with the cardboard top, and it's a huge part of childhood. And I, I, you're the commercial. You're the hoodsie kid. Yeah. I don't think I was cast. I think I just started emailing people saying, I love hoodsies. Let me talk about it. That was my style back then. I wrote a commercial for you. <laughs> I wrote one where I just talk about hoodsies. So I did those. Um, yeah, I think that was that was the bulk of it. Because I wasn't like, at no po- like I wasn't hard after the acting thing when I was in Massachusetts. And then when I moved to Orange County, it wasn't like, okay, we're in California now, let's like go for it 110. percent It was. Oh, just... so it wasn't that you didn't move to no. California because of that. Okay. No, we moved just for my dad's job, and specifically had the conversation, like, oh, you can think about that when you're older. You can try it in a little bit if you want, but like, we didn't move there and immediately like start going to LA for auditions. But my mom saw an open call for all that and knew it was my favorite show and it was my dream. So it was like, try this one. You can go to this open call. So they did, you know, it was like eight rounds of, of it was like a big nationwide search. And we did like eight rounds of auditions and stuff. And So essentially you booked your first audition in That's Hollywood. what he's saying. It, sure. Yeah, I think it legitimately, I think it legitimately was. But great, I think, well, great, Jack. Thank you. Well, great. Thank That's you. a good message for everybody <laughs> out there. Just come to L.A. and just book the first right thing you audition for. But that's a question, you know, I feel like I get asked the question about auditioning for The Legend of Korra with the same kind of question that you could be asked about all that, which is, you know, when you guys auditioned for Avatar, you didn't know what it was going to become. But when I auditioned for Korra, I did know the legacy of this thing that yeah, yeah. I loved and that people loved. And likewise, Jack, for you to to watch a show and then suddenly have it be possible to become a part of that cast. Um, yeah. I'm delighted that you got the part because that does seem like a perfect opportunity to sort of get in your own way because it would be so scary and intimidating. Yeah, it was a legitimate dream come true thing where like I had been watching the show, the original, all that opening credits were like all the cast like jumping on trampolines and I would like watch the show and like jump along on my parents' bed. <laughs> I have like very vivid memories of like, it was like straight up like, in things. in a in a way in a way that like a child dreams that I have never since dreamed uh, <laughs> of like I want to be on that. Uh, so being able to make that happen was like, yeah, truly straight up dream come true. And then and then it was really fun. It was like I did it for four years. It was a you know it was a crash course in professionalism and being on a set and all of that stuff. But it was also like summer job and it's a big like it was a big cast show with 
you know, a bunch of peers. It was all, we were all like the same age and making sketch comedy and it was incredibly fun. Okay, I'm loving this conversation. Let's pick it back up after a quick break. The special thing about this show, and I think with Jack and me, when we started this show, this is like before the world changed. You know, this is before digital media happened and social media happened. And we did the whole, nearly the complete show before any of us even got Facebook accounts. Yeah, yeah. Or let alone Twitter wasn't even invented yet. Or So we had no clue. You know, now you do a show and you can instantly see the millions of people watching it and yeah. the retweets and the conversations going on on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, whatever. But back in those days, no clue. Like, we did the show. We were enjoying what we were doing. We would geek out on the storylines. We would come. I remember coming to the to the, to the the booths with, like, did you read? Like, me, May, Jack. Like, did you read what happened this week? Like, what? Yes. This is crazy. And we were like, we'd have these conversations amongst ourselves. But zero connect, zero engagement with anyone outside of the people doing the show about what's happening with the show, let alone when the show came out and how it started turning into this phenomenal hit before social media. Yeah. So there was like nobody, nobody was telling us how popular the show was. The first hint for me was like sometime after I think season two had already aired. I was at college and someone, someone at a party in college pulled me aside and was like, hey, listen, I know it's a kid show and whatever and like you know don't tell other people that i watch it but i think your show is like really really good <laughs> um and it, like that thing of like oh this is like gaining popularity and sort of like uh crossing over breaking out yeah, transcending of, kids ki- yeah. kid nickelodeon watt viewing which like thing. made sense as it was happening like uh, like dante was saying of like reading all these scripts and just becoming a fan of what we were reading like it it was an incredibly cool revelation as we started making this show. Like, we made the pilot, and it was like, oh, cool, cool, fun pilot. And I didn't know, I didn't get it entirely what this show was. And then we saw the, when then we watched the pilot, and I was like, oh, this is very, very cool. And then we started seeing the scripts, and those first couple, you guys just recapped episode three. That's like, you know, in episode three of a kid show, we've got, like, heavily serialized stuff where he's learning about a genocide that was committed on his people. And it's like, whoa, this is a show. This is like a really yeah. big feeling show, a really narratively ambitious show. And like realizing that as we were getting the scripts and seeing what this piece and what this art was becoming was really exciting and felt like, oh, this is gonna catch on. This is gonna be bigger than what it feels like right now in this small room as we're recording it. Was there a situation when you were still doing the show in which you walked into a room and a bunch of people freaked out? Or was it like you sort of know because the press is great and you're, people are buzzing about it and you're meeting people like at a party like that here and there? Or did you ever have that wall of fandom that exists now for the show that you experienced I firsthand? I think, Dante, you can help me with memory here. I think the first like comic-con big panel that we all went to was while we were still like was during the run of the show right i think like during season I, three I, I think, or was it after was yeah it like the after? end of it maybe the think, end of the end i of think it? in hype for season three there was a big san diego comic-con panel with mike and brian and me and dante and may and, right uh i th- i think and comic-con was fairly new i mean not not new in the world of comic-cons but new in the world of pop culture of like right how we think of it now mostly, something yeah. to do that yeah. was you know it was it was still comic-con in those days was like a very particular community whereas now that community is 
broaden obviously over the last decade or so it was small enough so, that i was able to be they were like they were like hey do you want uh we'll we'll get you room and like if you want to like bring a friend or whatever i was like cool can i bring uh seven of my friends and <laughs> we, there was like eight of us and they all it was just a bunch of my friends it was like anyone who i thought like would be genuinely excited to be at a comic con uh and they just like piled into my explorer oh, and all great. stayed on the floor of the hotel room that Comic Con gave me, and and like and then and then like so it was small enough that like they were accom- accommodating eight of us and and had like runners to get me into any like panel I wanted to see, which is like wow. uh, yeah the level you got to be to have the pull for that now. I don't think I don't know if that even exists because it's just so big. I took the train down to that Comic Con. I rode my motorcycle to the train station downtown, the Amtrak. This is how cool he was. This is what I'm saying. What a cool, I mean, what a cool Zuko. Classic Zuko. I know. But then I spent the night down there. Riding his bike to the train. I came back and my, my motorcycle got got towed. That's what I remember. Oh. I parked the wrong place. Oh. oh, not cool. Not cool at all, not this cool. story. What a lame guy. His motorcycle gets towed. I had to take a taxi to a place and get my motorcycle. It wasn't even Ubers back then. I had to find <laughs> an actual real taxi. That's rough, buddy. Let's ask some good Sokka questions. And these are Sokka slash Jack questions. So okay. you established early on in our conversation that Sokka does love food and yes. has a really hard time getting enough of it. Never sated, this boy. That's true of all the characters in, in, in on Team Avatar for the most part. Um, but yeah, like he, there's just never enough to eat, especially when you're a teenage boy. Come on. Of course, you're hungry all the time. Yes. So what are some good Jack go-tos that you could just like eat forever and be so happy oh uh i jack um <laughs> eat i'm 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 or the I'm, hippo I'm, I'm, i mean listen if you don't feel comfortable <laughs> <you> can... <laughs> i'd like to answer the rest of this podcast as ease the beloved psychic hippo from 2002's the wild which you have not seen uh <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, I'm a, I, I, I love a, I love a, a burger. I love a, uh, uh, I, I, I sous vide a lot is my sort of like go to kitchen. Like I can be kind That's of fancy, a little fancy, but it's actually easier than any other kind of cooking. So I'm sous vide some steaks, some pork shoulder, some whatever. Ooh. You gotta teach me. I got a sous vide for Christmas, Jack, and I and I suck at it. It's never. Let's go over it. It's man. never cooked enough. It's never cooked enough. You're suing two vide. You have a weird idea then about what co- it's cooked exactly what you set it as. So just you're well, setting whatever. It the- it's wrong. The <laughs> app is wrong. You might you might be so accustomed to brutally overcooking your food that getting it actually the right temperature is so unfamiliar. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this sounds like a real dig, Dante. <laughs> you going to take that? It's possible. Um, <laughs> I, need a, I, need a, I, need a, I need to sear it afterwards. I like the little crispy. You should. I like the crisp. You should. That's part of why I love it is that I can, so I, I'll sous vide some steak and then I'll, you know, crank a grill or a, a cast iron whatever on the, on the stove top and then I can real hard sear it real fast get it super, super hot and just hard sear it and not overcook the inside because I, you know, I mean, come on. You're sounding so soccer right now. <laughs> I know. Super soccer so so right good. now it's with so the sous vide and like, yeah. Soccer with sous vide. Technique sure. of what's going it on. It is sort of water bending in a way. Sous uh, vide oh, is sort he's of. trying to be a bender. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. You need a machine. That's okay. It's all right. I'm just burning steaks left and right. <laughs> 
Um, and ice cream is my real answer. I'm an ice cream. I'm a, oh, I'm a, I love ice cream. I yeah. mean, come on. And it's I'm, a perfect I'm, food. I make some ice cream sometimes. I love it. You do? Yeah. He's Sokka. He makes his own damn ice cream. Of course he does. Of course he He probably invented ice cream. You invented ice cream. Let's face it. I mean, foreshadowing report, but yeah, Sokka invented submarines on the show and, and Jack invented ice cream. Foreshadowing report. Your interaction with, with fans, do you get a lot of really positive feedback about being a non-bender, about being somebody who is surrounded by these folks who can bend elements and yet you absolutely hold your own as uh, as an inventor and as a character? What's, what's that feedback like? What are those interactions like? It's a thing that I talk to fans about uh, frequently. It's something that a lot of people connect to about the character and it's one of my favorite aspects of the character is that that feeling of like, Oh, all, all of my, you know, I I relate it to like when you first go to college, when you step into any sort of new environment and you feel like all these people around me are 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 more special than me in some way, right? They all have, you know, magical bending abilities and I'm just the guy with the boomerang. Uh, and to me, like I connect to, and I think a lot of people connect to Sokka's uh, ability to then, you know, find something else in himself. And for Sokka, you know, for Sokka, it's, creative thinking and being a problem solver uh and also the thing that i love that i think Sokka embodies is being willing to be part of a team with people who you view as more special than you in some way right it's like seeking those people out and being part of a team and supporting those people and not feeling that, like you raise each other up yeah so we can stand on mountains let's josh groban I, this thing um <laughs> I, but you're so right i love that comparison and i love the, I, I love the the specific Sokka element of that because that is like when you do improv, you always want to be with people you think are more talented because they bring out the best in you and raise and make you get better yeah. at what you do. And the same with being on a set, right? Or being with, right? Like ideally, you're in a supportive enough environment that nobody's trying to smoosh you down because yeah, right. you're less talented or you know less or whatever, but you are always learning and feeling supported. And, you know, in an ideal situation, yeah. we would have that Sokka experience where he's not made to feel stupid or bad because he right. happens to not have this thing that he can't control whether he has or yes. not and still, right. you know, absolutely perseveres and is awesome. His best friends just happen to be superheroes, all of them. There's an episode, I won't describe what's happening, but where Sokka is having you know, a lot of self-doubt about, you know, how he belongs in this world of benders and goes off to kind of find a sense of purpose through that. And while he's gone, all these people are talking about, you know, all the things he's contributing and everything they're missing while he's gone. And I think, like, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, this idea that, like, you it's don't true. see it yourself, but other people see what makes you special. And I'm a, I'm a Absolutely. big believer in, like, seeking out, like, Go to the rooms where you're the dumbest person in the room so that you can ask questions <laughs> and, and, and learn stuff from these people, from other people. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a really cool aspect of Sokka. And, and I, lo I love that it's something that people connect to and I can talk to fans about it because it's, it's it was a big driving part of that the character is great. for me. I think so. I never I mean, thought I, about that before. Yeah, isn't that isn't that great? And it, it's he's sort of the Tate. No, he's <laughs> the perfect character. Oh, you. Jack, even all the other animal, not just... Not just your friends, even the animals. They all can bend, all of them, all of them, every single one. Yeah, dude, I know. I know. Oh, for crying out loud. I you know. know what? No, we're not going to stand for this. <laughs> we're not going to stand. In fact, this is an opportunity that you could take or leave, but, you know, we fairly recently recapped episode two of the show, and, of course, this is the first moment that, that Sokka has with Zuko is him smashing his ship into the village where Sokka has been so 
valiantly trying to teach these children how to be warriors, and here Zuko just blasts through this big old throwaway shit that someone didn't want that he took. Crash course for these little warrior kids. Let them know this is what, this is what it feels like when the when the <laughs> battleship comes. Like how how did your great commander teach you? What happens <sighs> now? And then I think we can all admit, because this did happen and it is canon, you are soundly beaten and you end up with your head in some snow and your feet where your head should be uh, in the air. This is your opportunity. I mean, here we are. I probably just made some very dumb action. I probably just... (laughs) (laughs) This is your opportunity to describe what you wish that you could have done in a fight sequence with Zuko, or you could just dress him down with words in place of what actually happened on the show, which was that he beat you up and you ended up in the snow. I want to say that was that was just me suckering him in. That was a long game. Sokka already sensed, oh man, I was just going to get so foreshadowy reporty. Boy, <laughs> sorry. You're better at controlling the foreshadow reports than we are. We just, no, we we have exposed everything, and you're being the responsible one who's okay, actually, good. like, trying to be mindful of it. So hats <laughs> off to My instinct was friend. to just summarize the entirety of the series. Uh, <laughs> it's no, hard so not in to. lieu of that, I'll just say, you know, I, 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 Sokka maybe underutilized the boomerang misdirect, you know? I think I would have, I, like I would have loved... A throw right past him, looping back right towards his face, and then I do like a, oh man, is that something? Something's in the the sun's in my eyes. I don't know. And then he has to turn around, boom, right in his face. You still got him. You got some knocks. Yeah, in there. I like that. Sokka's the Sokka gets the sun in his eyes, and that is that prompts <laughs> Zuko to turn around. Yeah, and then Zuko so has to go. Wait, is the there is is there such a thing as the sun? Let me check. And then and then boom, boom, right right in your face. And there was the sun, too, so double bad. Oh, that's fantastic. Also, with the character of Sokka, there, there is heavy talk about prejudice. He hates the Fire Nation, like from Jump Street, yeah. and, and rightfully so, not not for wrong things, but be able to judge, I mean, foreshadow report, <laughs> how we see, you know, how he comes to terms with a relationship with Zuko and even his relationship with how he thinks about the Fire Nation. Yes. Um, you know, those are heavy issues for young viewers and older viewers to watch yeah the 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 extent to which the show did not shy away from like interesting dynamic really deep conversations is you know a huge part of why it resonates so much with people a huge part of my love for it and my you know pride of having been a part of the show um it's cool man we had some really we had and sparked i think some very cool conversations for people but also i ate a lot of meat But you didn't eat a certain lemur. No. Thank sadly. goodness. What if that was what? What if you were like, if I could go back and change anything? Oh yeah, and you and you definitely. If I could go back, yeah. if I could go back, I would eat Momo. If if Momo, because we don't find Momo until episode three, so obviously if Momo had been there in episode two, Zuko comes on shore. He's like, I'm ready for battle. I say, as an intimidation technique, well, watch this first, and I bite the head off of Momo. And the blood like runs down my face. Ozzy Osbourne style. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, style. and Zuko's just like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he gets on a ship and he leaves. Right? Okay. People would have loved that. Yeah, he's like, those guys up in the water <laughs> tribe are crazy. <laughs> Don't sacrifice no, do Momo do for your no, I, scare tactics. This truly is love absurd Momo. and offensive. Oh, Who doesn't love Momo? Momo. Foreshadowing report, but Sokka has a really intense reaction when he believes that Appa ate Momo, and we see that you That's know right. by that point in his journey. 
he's deeply protective of Momo and does not believe in Momo being eaten at all. It's just another part of the I thought I felt this way about something and I don't. And that's that's yes. that's something that we've said is a sort of a recurring theme in Sokka's world. The amount of growth that a character that felt at the beginning like purely a, a comedic relief type of character like at the beginning he's kind of a jerk and he's there and I'm making a lot of jokes. I truly did not expect to have uh, the level of the just the depth of that journey written for that character and so to see him grow in so many ways and be challenged on so many of his beliefs and everything that happens with UA and everything that happens with Piandao and all of these like you know beautiful growth moments and story arcs uh, having that come out of it's just not something I knew I was signing up for at the beginning and it was such a pleasant surprise to get those scripts and go like whoa we're doing some stuff um, I feel very lucky that they took the character in such interesting directions. I was a lucky duck. Lucky turtle duck. And the lucky turtle duck, you were a very lucky turtle duck. Dante, what will we do without you? Because people were oh. screaming just now, lucky turtle duck, and you exactly. intuited that as the psychic you. You hippo you wish you were. You're an improv duck. master, Dante. Yeah. Not at all. Not, not next to he you knows. guys. You guys are the his, he does the I'm... sneak attack where you and I, Jack, yeah, are just, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's quiet for a volume, second. You know? And then he just leans in and lays on like, lucky turtle duck. And everyone's like, yeah, you're MVP. You're MVP. <laughs> you filter out everything Janet and Jack say and you get like 2% good. And then Dot is 100% good because he doesn't yammer, right? We could agree about that. I shouldn't throw you under the bus, Jack. That's just no, me. no, no. I shoot a. I'm shooting a high volume on this, and if any of them go in, <laughs> I'm feeling great. <laughs> okay, I have to ask you because uh, the fans need to know, uh, and I'm sure you have to answer this a lot. But just for this place where we are sort of having braving the elements be a good hub for all of these conversations that have happened at various cons and whatnot, do you have a ship? When people ask, is there a oh. ship that you applaud on in either series? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be your ship, too. It could be like, you know, you. Oh, ship. oh, oh. If I'm allowed to go elsewhere. You could say Zutara. You know what I mean? I kinda, like you could, I kind of do feel like Zutara in a lot of ways. I do support Zutara. You're just making people mad I know, now. I'm sorry You're about You're making that. people mad, um, Jack. I'm enjoying the the uh, uh, growing presence of, of Zuka f- shipping. I, I've. I've seen the Zuka's shipping. I'm enjoying also. that. Uh, uh, shout out to all the Zuka. I feel like Sokka's formative yeah, relationship. I think like the UA relationship is is really important, but you don't like ship that, right? Because it's like what is that you know, ship? That's you, ca- you kind of can't because that means you, you would be can't. giving up something for Shadow Report for Shadow. Report. For, yeah, right, right, right. But it's a good ship. I love that. I love that ship. Too. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's the one that got away literally. But it's always right there, you know. Wow, for Shadow Report. <laughs> so it's right there, but you know, some you know, that's the fish that got away. <laughs> Foreshadow report. Man. Foreshadow report. Foreshadow report. That's such a good foreshadow report because it means nothing at all <laughs> yet. If you haven't. So that's a good vague one because it just could mean anything. It and you'll sounds have like just the regular the part of that, get to that point in the show. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And of course, Suki, I should I need to say Suki and foreshadow oh, report for the next episode, oh. but it you know, she changes Sokka in character. very many important ways, and I love the two of them. And oh. Sword and Fan. Suki's great. The Kiyoshi Wars. When I see Suki cosplay, I like get down on one knee. I'm so crazy about Suki. I'm so crazy about the cosplay. I yeah. love her. Oh my god! I did a con where like a dozen Kiyoshi Wars walked into the panel. 
Yeah. Like all dressed. It was yes. like kind of scary. Amazing. That it was kind of scary. I took a picture with him afterwards because it was so good. It's fierce. I love group cosplay. Okay, let me ask this, uh, Jack. Yes. Do you have a favorite hybrid animal that you cannot eat? <laughs> oh, well, the deep struggle of Sokka to not eat Fufu Cuddly Poops, who's a, 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 a saber-tooth lion cub. That's got to be my That's favorite. an inspired animal right there. That's an inspired. And there are, yeah, by the oh. way, some very scary hybrid animals on that show that uh, I think there was there was something about there are some ones that even that Mike and, and Brian are like, I still have nightmares about those. What, <laughs> <laughs> what have we created? What have we brought into why, this world? Why, why, why? Exactly. I'm going to ask your knowledge on the show, oh, no. Jack, and I, I'm, I'm going to say you probably don't okay. know this because I didn't know this, but what hybrid animal is Appa? He's a combination of a bison and a large sofa. He's a combination of a bison <laughs> and two other legs of a bison. I don't know what. What's the answer? <laughs> I'm going to tell you he is a he is a combination of a bison, yeah, and a manatee. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I did, did you not I did not no. know this this whole is time. Is that canonical? Mhm. What word did you just use? Canonical, like canon. Okay, canon. Is that canon? Yes, that's Sorry, canon. I'm, I'm very, I was raised so Catholic, so. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, canonical. Canonical is I didn't a know great, that at all. great word. I know you didn't know that because I didn't Why know Why isn't that. it in the name? Why isn't he a flying bison tea? That's not great. Well, that's what's funny about some of the, the <laughs> animals is that some just get called the primary thing that they are and some get called wolf bats or you know yeah, turtle yeah, ducks yeah. or whatever i do kind of want to ask like why was there any kind of decision to why certain animals get pegged with the hybrid animal name versus right. like they just are called like a flying lemur or whatever mike and brian have named named characters in the show after some of the talent that was involved in the show. Right. obviously mako mako may named after mako uh I mean, May, I don't know if May's named after Different May, but, spelling, it's, but May, it's May, and she's May. And then they're like, what it, were you named after Bosco? Was Bosco the bear named after you? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> How do they get cool characters? And I'm a bear. It's a cool bear, though. All right, this is a little very quick game we call Choose Wisely as a tip of the hat to the third installment of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But anyway, would you rather get sneezed on by Appa? Or brave the dangerous emotional current of the ice flow rapids. But what would you rather have to, to go through? The danger I mean, or the snot? beautiful coming of age story if you brave the rapids, right? But I think like I, Jack, as a person would, would probably handle that poorly. I think I'd be very scared. So I'll go with sneezed on. I've been slimed before. I was a Nickelodeon kid. I've been slimed, you know? So it's got to be something like that. Oh, my God, you actually got slimed? Oh, dude, I got, got slimed. The real, the real double dare oh, slime on you? I got slimed so many times. I got dunk tank slimed. I got, like, fully immersed slimed. I've been slimed a bunch. And they have different recipes for different slimes. Oh, it's great. <gasps> can I ask you, can you eat it? Can it has it ever gone to you? Yes. Some of them are, like, explicitly to be eaten. So some of them have, like, there are different recipes that it's like, oh, it's totally cool if you eat this one. It's like... Some of them are, I remember there being like applesauce one and vanilla pudding-y one. I feel like there's oatmeal. Some, some, something had oatmeal when it really had to be like that kind of that messy, this, sloppy yeah. paper mache slime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd take being sneezed on. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's the right answer for you and for me. I also would probably for you get also. Done. Well, listen, I would love to brave the rapids, but it's just seems I I project too much 
it's like like you know ang saying let go of fear now of course when they go into the ship they, they trigger the booby trap anyway so he was kind of wrong on that point but mm-hmm. i project i future surf like oh here's all the things that could go wrong with this with the ice yes. flows whereas if you're a person who is anxious you just know you're gonna get sneezed on the chances are it's gonna be really gross and messy but the sort of the projection ends there you don't like think of all the different ways you could die you know what nobody's sneezing on you ever in public people you don't know sneezing on you no i'm gonna take the rapids i'm gonna take the rapids well of course you are because you're you and of course you would take the rapids and you would just like i ride motorcycles you'd totally grave it and be great yeah i'm 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 not surprised and i also applaud that answer but then when those rapids get stolen and you've got to take your taxi back sorry (laughs) (laughs) and that's when it's rough buddy that's when it's (laughs) that's that's rough buddy okay last couple of quick questions is there Mm -hmm. another role in animation Something that's long gone or something that has never been made into animation. Anything, any character that you would have loved to voice, even if it wasn't realistic in terms of like, well, I don't I don't sound like a hummingbird, but, you know. So the true not at all in my in my vocal uh, wheelhouse is Batman. (laughs) I would have loved to be able to be Batman. Uh, You still got time. I still got time. You still got time. My voice needs to significantly mature. Uh, <laughs> well, me and Jack talked about it, and I told you, Barney, I've always wanted to play Robin, and I've auditioned for Robin so many times on camera and on mic. Yeah. And guess what? I lost it one time to guess who? Yeah, boy! Jack DeSena. Really? Dante and I are in a, a DVD. It's probably not on DVD anymore. but <laughs> A Netflix, Netflix straight-to-video type of thing called uh, JLA... It's Justice League Adventures Trapped in Time. It was directed by Giancarlo Volpe. That's how Dante and I One of both our directors, came yeah. to be got in there. there. Um, and I got to play Robin, and that was like the true, true dream come true. Because like cool. once I once I turned, I don't know, sixteen, and I was like, I don't think my voice is getting to Batman places, but Robin uh, was possible. So I was Robin, and Dante was Karate Kid. I was Karate Kid. I was Karate Kid. Because it's funny because uh, your voices don't sound similar. I wouldn't think that you guys would be up for the same. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way because they're obviously a lot of the time they just don't know what they want. And they, right, right. you know, they right. just they sort of know it when they hear it. But it's not a situation like there are certain people where I sort of go like Gray, Gray Delisle and I have similar vocal ranges. So so yeah. I will never work right. in voiceover, uh, which is fine because she's a genius <laughs> she's and I absolutely everything. love her she's and I would take everything. a bullet for her. She's got that part but right. that's, you know what I'm saying? So that you could see like, oh, that's why you would both get called in. But you guys both have such distinct voices that it we for a second it like surprised voices we both jack because yeah. yeah. you you still play young you can still play you still play young i still voices. yeah callum uh on dragon prince is 14 another thing i'm doing right now i'm like 15 16 that's still largely what i'm getting cast as are we playing teenagers for the rest of i our think lives? so i think so I, listen that's not the worst thing that is definitely not the worst thing in the world <laughs> Never, never. No, listen, if you stop working, then you can just sort of shred your voice somehow because you've got nothing to lose, and then you'll get, like, down in the Batman. Re- That's not how Batman sounds. Just whiskey and cigars every day. Please, let's never talk about what I thought Batman sounded like. That was a good Batman. That was a straight oh, Christian Oh, really? Bell. This is a good it. Batman? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm Batman. Batman. Yeah. What's up? I sort of I sort of sound like Beetlejuice. We come for your daughter, Chuck. Like, that's the closest... <laughs> That's, oh, but he played oh, Batman. He played Batman. So he's Batman. <laughs> Probably the best exactly Batman. He's what my Batman, Batman. Sounds like Michael Keaton is my Batman. <laughs> what another revelation! This has been a mind-blowing conversation. We're learning a so lot. So many things have been uncovered, discovered. 
We got to ask you what kind of vendor you would be. I would say, I say water, largely out of loyalty. But I'm going to go with the flow kind of guy. Is that not true? Dante feels he knows the true answer. You're wearing blue. blue. You're wearing blue right now. I think, real talk, Water Tribe, like maybe Swamp Bender is kind of my vibes. You know, kind of like be a swamp bender. That's just like stepping away from it all type of water bender. Yeah, and maybe a healer. That'd be lovely. I can heal all these animals. I'm joking about harming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you definitely. That's redemption right there. You have redeemed yourself. I needed to put that out there. (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. Is there anything that you are working on that people should be checking out? Where can people follow you above and beyond anything you want to promote so that they, when you can't say something, you will? Oh, you can follow me on Instagram. And once every two or so years, I'll put up like a picture of my baby. (laughs) Uh, So check that out. Um, That's just (laughs) at Jack DeSena. Um, But... uh, and that's really one of the newest things you produce is that baby. That baby, that baby, that baby we, we great put production. that out a, a year ago. Congratulations. And it's still going strong at the box office. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, watch The Dragon Prince, which has some other Avatar DNA. That's great. So check that out. Check out uh, my buddy Chris and I have a YouTube channel where we make a lot of sketch comedy. Dante's in a couple of those. Michaela Murphy, a.k.a. Jesse Flower, a.k.a. The Voice of Toph, pops up in one. Uh, so check that out, Chris and Jack, on YouTube for some sketch comedy. Amazing, amazing sketch channel. Really, really Love funny it. stuff. Uh, and then uh, last plug, PJ and I have a podcast called... Oh, no, no, baby, I'm afraid uh, we're out of time. Can't say afraid we are Shh. out of time. Shh. Did not Shh. have a chance Shh. to talk about the Arrival <laughs> Podcast. Thank you for cutting me off. I didn't have a good name. I didn't have a good name. So thank you for sensing that. I didn't have a good bit That's name. teamwork, buddy. Till That's the bend. Teamwork. Just around the bend was what I was kind of working. Something off bend because you guys, I don't know. I didn't have it. So good work, yeah. Jared. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for another great episode of Braving the Elements. And next week, we are getting back into The Last Airbender. You know it. You love it. The Warriors of Kyoshi joining us will be the leader of the Kyoshi Warriors herself, Jenny Kwan. I'm so excited. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. I'm so excited. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.